0: Right now I'm joined by Professor Jonathan Boston, uh, Professor of Public Policy at Victoria University in Wellington, in Ōtipote um, today to talk about redesigning New Zealand's welfare state, a case for radical reform. Um, Morena to you. Morena. Jamie, hey good to see you. Yeah, good to see you again. Welcome back. Thank you. It's a pleasure having you down here. Um, right. First off, do we really need reform? Um, our social welfare system has been the envy of the world um, and you know, uh, you know it's, a, it's supposed to be about um, people not falling through the cracks um, has it not been a success?
1: Well the, uh, uh, September this year marks the 80th anniversary of the enactment of the Social Security Act 1938 Mm -hmm. and I think it's fair to say that in the late 1930s through the 1940s and into the 1950s Jamie uh, yes the New Zealand welfare state was uh, in some respects the envy of the world Um, and uh, many people came to New Zealand to study it and uh, and it was the um, uh, it it was certainly used as a guide in the development of welfare policy in some other jurisdictions but uh, you know that's, uh, that's two generations ago um, we had a Royal Commission on Social Security in 1972 which uh, uh, resulted in some important changes that, um, uh, if you like, solidified the welfare state. Mm-hmm. But basically in the last uh, generation, the last uh, 30 years or so, um, uh, the uh, the problems we have with our welfare state have become greater. Uh, We reduced very significantly the real value of uh, social assistance in the early 1990s to our least advantaged citizens. The result of that was a very substantial increase in poverty, particularly child and family poverty. Mm -hmm. Uh, That has only been partially addressed through um, government measures uh, uh, over the last 15 to 20 years so now we have some really serious problems we have significant child poverty which uh, the prime minister has focused on rightly um, as a key priority we have uh, a pretty complicated and burdensome system of income transfers burdensome in the sense that they put significant burdens on the least advantaged people because of the enormous amount of sort of paperwork that's required uh, this very high reliance on what are called third tier benefits because the first tier benefits like the job seeker support and the a supported living payment and so on are are, are not adequate. Um, we have glaring inconsistencies, and these have lasted for a long time. If you have an accident, you, you, you get much more favourable treatment than, uh, than, the, than if you fall sick, um, at least in certain contexts, uh, and particularly in relation to uh, the level of income support. You receive Mm -hmm. Uh, if you if you have bad teeth uh, you end up paying a fortune if if you have bad eyes um, uh, you get uh, generally speaking hopefully um, uh, first-class and and free care Uh, so there's some real inconsistencies there another very significant inconsistency is the way we (coughs) index different forms of assistance so for example if you're on New Zealand superannuation uh, your your pension is uh, indexed to not only prices but also average wages, yeah. uh, which means as wages go up, your pension goes up. If you're on a benefit, it's only indexed to prices, uh, so your uh, your you're, your benefit doesn't go up as wages go up. And what's happened over the last 25 years or so is that there's been a growing gap between uh, what people get if they're on a benefit and what people get if they're in full-time employment. Mm -hmm. Um, And indeed, the the whole area of indexation has been um, a flaw in our system right from the very outset. Uh, and it's something that, in my view, needs to be tackled and tackled uh, urgently. Then there's a whole variety of other problems. Uh, people who are seeking to buy a house uh, or uh, in areas of the country where there are very high rentals uh, will be well aware we have a serious ho- housing problem. Uh, yep. Problems of affordability, problems of poor quality, um, problems of insecure tenure um, and and uh, declining home ownership and so on. Uh, which in my view is a, a serious indictment on yep. on many governments over a very long period of time Jamie.
0: Yeah that's right I mean I, I guess we can focus on uh, the last 10 years easily uh, especially when it comes to the housing crisis mm. um, with the past government um, especially with the selling off of state houses yep. uh, was totally an issue and they talked about other um, entities coming in and taking up that void and buying those houses and having to tenant it out but they have different rules Sure. You know, um, sure. the government is bound to things like not being able to kick out tenants and yes. the like. Yes. So, I mean, that makes it quite
1: difficult. Yes. I mean, my personal view is that the previous government's approach to housing policies was largely misconceived. Yeah. Um, the, 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 the idea that we should run down our stock of social housing, at least uh, state housing, in a context where, in fact, the, the proportion of uh, social housing as a proportion of all housing had been going down for a long period of time mm. uh, was very unwise. Um, we have a relatively low... Uh, volume of, of, of social housing uh, by OECD standards, around 6% of the total housing stock. In parts of Europe it's more like 20%, yeah. um, which which uh, alters the whole dynamic of of your housing market.
0: And one thing I will, uh, and I've mentioned this actually to the Prime Minister before, uh, and the, you didn't actually speak about this, but I thought, you know, because you, you, you mentioned Europe and there are large cities around Europe and throughout the United States and the Western world where there's rent control. Mm. You know especially in you know New York and the like we've all heard about it and, and you know and it's been a very important policy over there you know isn't that something we could look at in New Zealand especially in high urban areas uh
1: look we could uh but i let me be honest Jamie, I'm not an expert on housing policy yes it's yeah. one of the areas of social support social assistance and so on that I've not ever uh, worked in in detail though I've had students do research in this area um my, my view is that in the housing area at the moment we have we have a whole series of problems. The the first is a, a clear imbalance between supply and demand. We simply mm. haven't been building enough houses, and particularly enough uh, affordable housing. And uh, recent governments have recognised that. And now the current government is, of course, as you know, through Kiwi Build, um, mm. planning to build a uh, hundred thousand uh, affordable homes over the next ten years. That probably won't be enough, but it, but it's better than nothing. Um, so we have to address this this big problem in terms of supply and demand. There then we've got issues of, of quality. We, yeah. We've essentially got uh, a lot of very crap housing in this country. And uh, here, in Jan- 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 <laughs> the
0: students, the students uh,
1: who are renting, uh, many of them are very well aware of just the poor quality of yeah. housing. I, I find it, it's incredible, frankly, yeah. that we've allowed. Um, <laughs> so talk about rent controls. I would have said we, you know, we should have better building standards, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and we should have had them a long, long time ago, uh, and, and we should be uh, definitely having uh, some sort of warrant of fitness. That is uh, universally applied across the country. That requires a, a, an adequate standard of, of of accommodation for all our citizens. Yeah. Um, we should not be expecting students here in Dunedin, for example, to live almost like slum dwellers in, in, in India. Uh, quite ridiculous. Yeah. Well, I mean, um, it's,
0: people think it's almost like a rite of passage for students well, down here to it's have, stupid. Yeah. It's bad for their health.
1: Well, that's uh, right. Uh, so, so in winter, you have far more uh, ill health than would otherwise be the case. Uh, it's, it's um, well, I think it's obscene. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just, I, <laughs> I, I, just totally ridiculous and totally unnecessary. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and highlights a, a, a real lack of care on the part of, of, of citizens generally, and I have to say, obviously, uh, in many cases, on the part of the, those who are
0: renting. I mean, you, you talked about dental care and doctors, and the thing is, when you're poor, you generally—and and this isn't—I um, mean, I am making a generalisation, I guess—but for the most part of what we hear, diets are poorer. Um, You know, uh, housing conditions uh, are poor, there's mould, there's dampness, and that leads to people having to go to the doctor, it leads to dental care. Also, um, poor areas traditionally in New Zealand have been on the outer suburbs of urban areas, um, therefore transportation costs can be higher, because we're not just talking about people that are on unemployment benefits, we're talking about working poor as well. Absolutely, sure. You know, so these people have to get into their jobs, um, and with the increase in petrol costs, um, now is a feeling probably paying the same amount as we have always paid in Dunedin with the rise in, um, uh, in, in their local uh, petrol costs because of their um, roading tax. Mm. Um, and, and these things aren't going to change, but benefits haven't changed with those things.
1: Uh, well, benefits of core first-year benefits have changed in relation to prices, but I mean, many so- other forms of social assistance have not. So, for example... Uh, Uh, The Family Tax Credit, which is the largest form of assistance to low-income families, Mm -hmm. uh, has not been fully indexed since it was introduced in 2004-2005. The the top rate, uh, until July this year, was was capped by the former government um, in, in a context where obviously prices were continuing to go up, albeit very modestly on an annual basis, so people receiving uh, the family tax credit, who are, for example, in full-time work, but on relatively modest wages... Me. <laughs> sure. Then their then their real uh, incomes are, in fact, going down. Yeah. Other forms of assistance, the accommodation supplement, which is a critical form of assistance for uh, many low-income families who are in full-time work, uh, but also beneficiaries, um, that has not been indexed ever to anything. <laughs> so um, uh, we last adjusted the... Uh, uh, accommodation supplement prior to the movement in on the 1st of april this year it was last adjusted in 2005 mm-hmm. on the basis of 2003 uh, housing uh, costs uh, so there <laughs> you have you know, a 13-year gap in the adjustment yep. of the accommodation supplement uh, now that is nonsense frankly and it 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 it, uh, it clearly has uh, intensified the the challenges facing many low-income families but because it, uh, if, if you if you don't index something, you get a gradual creep in the sense of uh, it's it's kind of almost an imperceptible decline, and because it's almost imperceptible, uh, you don't have these sort of flash points at which people uh, become very very aware of just what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and, of course, in some ways this is deliberate. Governments know that uh, if you don't index something, it's going to be very gradual, so people won't won't notice it and you won't get lots of opposition. But, in fact, what's happening over the period of time is that you're simply making lots of people poorer.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, and it's the poor you're making poorer.
0: We've seen the house rises um, in um, Manukau and uh, South Auckland regions. I mean, I, th- I think the last time I read... Um, a mortgage to service a mortgage on the average house in South Auckland would take one hundred and twenty percent of the average wage in the area um, that 's a fact I read uh, a couple of years ago i can 't remember where I read it from Well
1: certainly, if you had a mortgage of of half a million dollars yeah. you were paying say five five and a half percent interest. Uh, you know, five. That, that's that's uh, that's twenty five thousand to thirty thousand dollars in interest alone. Let mm. alone your repayments. So say so maybe you've got a you know a ten thousand dollar repayment. That's thirty five, forty thousand dollars. That would be you know sort of close to the average wage. Yeah. And yeah. for people in South Auckland, uh, as you say, it may, it may well be uh, well over the the. Um, uh, the average wage for
0: particular communities in South Auckland, yeah yeah so why haven 't we indexed these things i mean it's a very it's good
1: question jamie and it 's a question that uh, we could have asked over eighty years because uh, when uh, the Social Security Act was implemented, uh, it was implemented without full indexation of all forms of assistance um, and 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 subsequent initiatives that were uh, adopted sub, you know su- subsequently, such as the universal child benefit or the universal family benefit, as it was called, um, that took, uh, be- be- became fully effective, I think, in about 1946. That was never indexed. And so over a period of time, it got, it, 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 uh, its value got frittered away because of inflation. It was then adjusted periodically by governments, but again, they never indexed it. Uh, and so, you know, by the time of the 1980s, uh, after a very rapid inflation in the 19, uh, late 1960s and 1970s and so on, you you, you had a family benefit that was down to about $6 a head. <laughs> now $6 in 1946 um, generated uh, a, an income for a family uh, such that if you had three children, you had the equivalent of a pension Ooh. from the universal child benefit. But by but by you know the mid nineteen eighties six dollars was 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 not very much. No, no. And so when it was abolished in nineteen ninety one by the then national government and the mother of all budgets, oh, Ruth. Uh, Ruth Richardson, of course, well, lots of people thought, well, it, it, it doesn't matter very much because it's not worth very much. Yeah. But had it been properly indexed, it would have been worth a, a very significant amount. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. We, and we, we we perhaps don't many people now won't won't know this, but um, uh, a significant number of young families in New Zealand in the late 1950s, 1960s, 1970s, were able to buy their first home because they could capitalise the family benefit. It provided a deposit. My family did. Yes. Now, you see, when the universal child benefit went, the universal family benefit, sorry I should call it, um, it was no longer possible to to, uh, have that instrument as a mechanism for for purchasing homes, um, and as, uh, partly as a consequence of that, but only partly, home ownership rates have been falling yeah. uh, for
0: the last thirty years or so, until oh, ridiculous right now. Um, you now, social welfare, um, I think, because we talk about indexing and things like that, and it's got be, these things have to be implemented. and You've got to, got to have successive governments, not just the one government, but successive governments yes. and willingness to do this. Yes, but social welfare has become a dirty word. Um, in a lot of people's minds, you have a, a, a lot of people, and for the most part, they are the voting base um, that just clamber on to the worst side mm-hmm. of uh, the mm-hmm. benefits, if, if you know what I mean. Like, um, you know, Joe Blog who is just doing it because um, he's lazy, doesn't want to work. Mm. People that are um, having more and more children so they can mm. stay on the domestic purposes benefit. Um, and don't have to go into work now that mm. that's a very small percentage mm-hmm. i mean it, it does happen of right course, absolutely, but, yeah, but there's always baghagging eggs wherever you look uh, in any yes. um anywhere system. around the world, yes. yeah, in any system um so you know but because people have that because there's that public perception, it seems that governments. Especially now, where there is career politicians, they don't want to lose their jobs, so they don't want to enact anything that's going to, um, you know, make the the voter base, especially the swing voter, yes. look at them poorly. Sure. So that's an issue. Sure. So I mean, how? Do yes. So uh,
1: let's start with sort of very basic issues. First of all, you know, we live in a world in which um, uh, human beings uh, uh, quite often behave badly. We 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 have greed and avarice. Uh, we have a willingness on the part of some people to rip other people off. Uh, we have people who are lazy uh, we people We have people who are irresponsible in all sorts of ways, and that that is the nature of of the world we live in mm. so we, we, we need to be totally um, you know, realistic <laughs> Any system that we design uh, in relation to welfare assistance and so on is going to be open to abuse. So what do we do about it? Does it mean we don 't have a proper system of support? No, we design our system to uh, to endeavour to minimise abuse, but also to ensure that people who end up um, needing assistance, perhaps for reasons uh, w- where where they have contributed to the problem, substance abuse, for example, mm-hmm. we we need to design our system so as to ensure that those people get adequate help. Yeah, uh, and and uh, obviously we do that to some extent, but we haven't been doing it enough. So. Uh, in relation to mental health, for example. We haven't, as a country, uh, invested nearly enough in providing mental health services to people in need. Um, As a consequence of that, uh, there are probably lots of people who are on welfare assistance, that if they'd had adequate uh, support in perhaps the early stages of their mental health problems... Uh, they might not have ended up on the benefit uh, or if they did, it might not have been for as long as they did and so on and so on. So you know, we, we, we have to be totally practical about this, it seems to me, Jamie. We have to recognise, yes, there's always a risk of abuse, mm-hmm. so we design our system to try and minimise that. We have a degree of reciprocity, we, have, we, have, we need to have rights as well as you know, responsibilities. There need, in my view, to be certain sanctions in the system. Uh, we need to expect people who are able-bodied and able to work to look for work if yeah. they're on a benefit. Um, but we also need to be sensible about the sort of work we require them to do. Um, uh, yeah, so I'm I'm not one to support you know unconditional uh, assistance irrespective of of uh, all other considerations. If people are uh, if people ultimately you know uh, <laughs> uh, I. I Totally uncooperative, totally unwilling to contribute, uh, totally unwilling to take work in a context where they're able to work, you do have to ask the question do we continue to provide assistance? Mm-hmm. Now, if they've got children, uh, there's no question in my mind we continue to provide assistance. Of course. Because the interests of the child must be paramount. Yeah. But, uh, you know, uh, it, I'm sorry to say, maybe some people won't like this, but, you know, uh, we, we also have to be hard headed about it. Um, so I'm, I'm, not a, I'm, I'm one of those who would say we do need to have some, some sanctions in, in any sort of welfare system, but they need to be modest, they need to be uh, uh, imposed in, in a very careful way, and they need to be monitored to ensure we aren't um, having very dire consequences for, for those who are dependent on assistance. Okay, so that's, that's sort of how I would respond to this. Um, we also need to bear in mind that um, for people who complain about the welfare state, um, uh, you know, we currently have around 270,000 people receiving uh, first-tier benefits. Um, 100,000 of those are people with serious long-term health issues, physical or mental. Uh, another, you know, close to 100,000 are, are people who are sole parents looking after children. Um, by contrast, we have 730,000 people receiving government super. Yeah. You know, and uh, many of those people are in full-time work earning substantial salaries. Yes, yes. Um, so, you know, if we're going to have a serious conversation about um, you know minimizing the fiscal burden <laughs> of social assistance to people, I think we need to have a serious conversation about about uh, our, our, our pension system, yes. Mm. I, I, for one, would uh, strongly support uh, an increase in the age of eligibility, mm-hmm. uh, at least a sort of 67, 68. We need to then ensure we protect people who can't work, who are in their mid-60s, um, and ensure that they do get adequate support. Yeah. Um, but for people who are in full-time employment, um, I, uh, I just... Uh, well, I'm going to be in that situation in a few years' time. Yeah. I mean, in, in three and a half years' time, I will be, uh, presumably still, a professor at university. I will be on a substantial salary. I will be eligible for New Zealand Super, uh, which I wouldn't need. Um, uh, and you have to say, is this fair? In a context where we have very substantial levels of hardship and poverty, uh, 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 particularly among among children. Um, so I, I think that issue needs to be addressed. Mm-hmm. Um, I appreciate it's politically difficult, uh, and it's politically difficult because uh, a lot of elderly people uh, vote to protect their own interests.
0: That's right. That's right. And Winston Peters he's getting his pension, I believe.
1: Yes, <laughs> and look at what Winston has done. He's he, he's he's provided the elderly with um, you know with gold cards. Yeah. Uh, so that they get free transport and other things. Well, we've never done that for our students.
0: No. No. Why not? Mm.
1: Why not? I don't why, know. Why, why do the elderly deserve uh, support in a context where actually levels of poverty and material hardship among the elderly are, are among the lowest in the developed world? Yeah. Uh, lowest in the world. Yeah. And, 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 and so, you know, we, we have some real inconsistencies. I'm not against the elderly necessarily having support. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm pleased we have low levels of poverty and material hardship among the elderly. But we could do the same for our children, but we haven't.
0: Yeah. Um And do we you know and, and what the gold card maybe that needs to be mean tested as well?
1: Yes, uh, it, it could be. Um, I have to say jamie, we we, we need to be um, always mindful that when we, when we means test something, uh, we set up bu- a bureaucracy uh, we, we We move from a relatively simple system to a more complicated system. So if we increase the age of eligibility for New Zealand super perhaps ultimately to around 70, because I happen to be a supporter of a universal system, but not necessarily from 65, um, then, then I'm, I'm not opposed to having um, universal um, uh, concessions, uh, for example, in the area of transport or something like that for, for, for the elderly. Um, I'm, uh, I'm just very mindful that every time you mean test, you create... You create new barriers, new problems, new administrative burdens, and so on. And so we have to be very careful about that.
0: Okay, Okay. well, we've run out of time, um, so apologies for that. Um, But you can hear more tonight. Yeah. That's right. Archway 2, Lecture Theatre, um, quarter past 5 through to 6.30, uh, redesigning New Zealand's welfare state, a case for radical reform. Uh, Professor Jonathan Boston, thank you so much. Thank you, Jamie. It's always a pleasure.
1: Good to talk.